Hello and welcome back to another episode. Today we're doing part two of our estate planning mini series. And again, we have Andrew Ayers on, who's an attorney that has been a member of the podcast for a while and has done various different episodes and topics. And if you didn't listen to last week's episode, we're going to recommend doing that one right away too. That was what is the last will and testament and why is it important for business owners? Today we're going to be talking about what is a power of attorney and what healthcare documents do I need in estate planning. So, Andrew, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Mike. Happy to be here. Awesome. Well, I, I really think it's a this is such an important thing that so many business owners just don't even think about when we're talking about estate planning, and and really, it's it's kind of a plan of everything. So, we're we're doing this mini series as a goal of touching on various different topics. It's not just one or the other. Oftentimes, it's a combination of all these things. So, when we talk about today, powers of attorneys, um, you know, just kind of let let us know how that kind of also works into the previous episode that we talked about as well. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, we talked before, you know, an estate plan is really a set of documents. So you're running a business, you're busy, you probably have a business plan, you have all your corporate documents together. So this is really that home operating agreement to govern what happens. And last time we talked about your last will and testament, which is the document that's going to say what happens after you're gone. Today is probably more important for business owners because this is what happens in the here and now. Um, we've seen between the pandemic or any other accidents in your life, you're running a business, you're going hard, it's 24-7, your business is growing. But what about when something happens to you and you can't be at the business anymore? Let's say you're in a car accident and you're unable to get to the office. Let's say even worse, you're in a car accident and you're then in a medically induced coma and you can't make any decisions. Powers of attorney allow somebody to be able to step in and make decisions for you. We're going to talk about two different kinds today. One is the financial side, which should be very important for any business owner, but just as important is the healthcare side. And there's a set of healthcare documents that will allow somebody to be able to make that decision, talk to the doctors, review your medical records, because you can't speak for yourself at that point, and you need to make sure the right people are there speaking for you. Um, this really comes to roost if anybody is listening and you've gone through a legal separation or a divorce. And you wonder who's going to be that person to speak for you. Um, if you're separated, you definitely don't want your ex to be the person talking to the doctor. I mean, we might laugh anecdotally, but you don't want that person to be the one who's able to pull the plug. But if you're on the other end of the spectrum, let's say you're 21 or 22 years old and something happens to you, how would the doctor know who to talk to? You, you know, you're not married. You don't have a spouse. They've got to track down your parents, maybe track down a brother. These documents are made to tell the right people who they can be dealing with. So these powers of attorney are just a fancy name for giving someone the power to make decisions for you. Um, there's two ways we can set them up. One is they can go into effect right now. So a lot of my older clients say, you know what, I need help managing my finances. So they sign a power of attorney to allow one of their children to manage their finances with them. They can you know, work with the banks, work with the lenders, work with their financial situation. The second, which is usually more common for business owners, is what we call a springing power of attorney. And the springing power of attorney comes into effect when something happens to you and you become incapacitated. You've been in that car accident. Maybe you're committed to a psychiatric uh, facility for some reason, and you're unable to make those decisions. Then the power of attorney becomes valid, and that person can make decisions. So if you're younger, a lot of business owners will do that because they're fine. They can operate their business but they need that protection in case something happens to them. And an important note, you know, comparing this to your will is your powers of attorney expire when you die. 
Now, we'll talk in a little bit about there is a provision in your health care power of attorney that will survive your death. However, generally, your powers of attorney are only going to be effective when you're alive. So once something's happened to you, if you've died, that if your son has the power of attorney over you, they don't necessarily continue to be able to manage your finances. Once you've died, we then look to your will or your trust to see who's going to be managing your assets at that time. So the first type of power of attorney is a financial power of attorney. And this is going to usually have a list of powers you can give to somebody else. It's usually like A through Q or P, and you can check each one. And Or if you'd like to, at the end, there's usually a catch-all provision saying, I'm giving this person the power to make all these decisions, bank accounts, real estate, life insurance, brokerage accounts, financial accounts. Now, in most states, this needs to be notarized. So you want to make sure that when you're doing these documents, you're doing the right formalities and getting them signed. This is one of the biggest mistakes you'll see with any kind of legal document is people who sign them incorrectly. And you may not deal with it being incorrectly signed. However, when your agent who's appointed under the power of attorney tries to go to the bank, they're going to look at it and say, it wasn't notarized, so sorry, we're not going to talk to you. And now you've left yourself with quite a conundrum of how to do that. Some states, and you'll talk to your local state, also require you to have witnesses. They want to make sure you're lucid when you sign this document, and so it's notarized and witnessed. And many powers of attorney also allow for the agent to sign it. And the reason we want to do that is because then we want to see a copy of the signature so that if Mike goes to your bank and says, let's say he says, I'm Bob, I'm here to manage Andrew's estate. And they look at the signature and say, hey, Bob, your signature doesn't match the one that you signed when you signed the power of attorney. And then they realize, oh, that's not Bob, that's Mike. So Mm -hmm. you sometimes want to have a signature specimen on file so that the financial institutions know they're dealing with the right person. Now, as a general principle, I do not endorse people downloading documents from the Internet. However, your financial power of attorney is often a state-specific document that is available from your state. You can just download the PDF, fill it out, but you can still work with an attorney to make sure that it's signed the correct way. And if you're working with a financial institution and you're working with a financial advisor, they may have their own version of this. But remember, that's not the only one you need because Citibank may have their version of a power of attorney But if you go across the street to Chase to manage your accounts over there, they may say, we're not going to honor this one. So if you work with your state document or you work with an attorney, we want a document that can be used across the board. And I'm sure, Mike, you deal with this sometimes in the tax aspect of things when you're filing your taxes on behalf of your clients. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, power of attorney, we have on a tax standpoint. So let's say uh, we might have a, a client sign a, a, P, a power of attorney for tax purposes, which which basically just allows us to go to the IRS, go to the state agencies and discuss their tax situation. Uh, and the best example I give, let's say you get uh, a, an IRS notice and most taxpayers are not going to know anything about that. They don't understand it. They just get nervous. They don't know necessarily what forms were filed, when they were filed, how they were filed. And so power of attorneys in that situation just make it so much easier for us as a as a as a accountant to just run and talk to the talk to the the agencies on your behalf because we have that information right in front of us. We know the information that was used to prepare that, and it just makes that part easier for us to uh, communicate with at the IRS or state agencies, allowing you to not have to worry about that. Yep. And, you know, listen, I practice what I preach. Uh, my accountant has a power of attorney for me. We had a tax issue a couple of years ago and he immediately went to the government and they did the paperwork. And my wife and I didn't have to sit there going through all the notices. We get things in the mail. We just hand it to him. But he's got the power of attorney to discuss it directly with the government. And 
as Mike said, it's a lot easier that way because if you're not an accountant, you don't understand what some of these forms mean and what they're actually looking for. And it's not something you want to mess up, you know, especially mm-hmm. if it's a dispute over your taxes. You want to make sure you're getting the right advice from the right people. Yeah. And a lot of times it's, it's you, you don't know that information. And so if you jump on a phone call, you might say something that you probably shouldn't have said to a government agency um, just uh, just because you weren't quite sure what, what you know, the, the full spectrum of the information. As, as tax repairs, we're preparing your information. Um, we don't expect you to understand every single thing we're preparing. We want you to understand and have a good idea of it, but you might not do, know the full details of it. Otherwise, you'd probably do it yourself. Uh, but the idea behind it there is, is yeah, like we, we, we know kind of what situations can occur and how to combat them and how to get past it. And that's why we would much rather have us talking to the IRS on your behalf than, uh, than you kind of calling them. And that's one of those places where Mike and I differ because when I, you're signing documents from my office, I want you to understand every single word. If you come to my office signing an estate plan and you say, I don't know what this means, you're not going to sign that document. So that's one of the most important things, working with an attorney on an estate plan, whether it's a power of attorney, a will, a trust. I want you to know what you're signing and you know what the provisions mean because it's one of the biggest headaches I have when people come to meet with me and they bring an old power of attorney, let's say, and they found out that you know their son was taking money out of the bank account. They say, you know what? I never meant to sign over that power, but I just signed what the attorney gave me. I didn't look at it. And we look at it and say, yeah, because you signed the catch-all provision at the bottom. You gave your son the ability to manage everything, and it's not a springing power. It's effective immediately. So powers of attorney are very important. You know, When you're dealing with the government, like Mike's talking about, it is important that you have the right people who can explain that to you, but you might not need to know it all. But in a power of attorney, you want to make sure you understand all those provisions because this is a powerful document. You're giving another individual the right to make some serious decisions. Mm-hmm. So the biggest mistakes I kind of run into when you're dealing with these is people who don't check the right boxes. So if you have a list of powers, like I just talked about, make sure you know what boxes you're checking. Make sure you're signing in the right place. There can be a lot of signature lines at the end. And make sure it's notarized. A lot of people forget to get it notarized, and then you run into a problem at your local bank. After you've gotten your power of attorney signed, I want you to keep it with your important documents. Keep it handy. And the agent, the person who's got the power, should also know where it is in case they have to use it. If you're in that car accident and they have to be able to talk to the doctor, they need to know where these documents are located so they can take it to the doctor. In the financial realm, it's a good idea to give a copy to your financial advisor, to give it to Mike as your accountant, all the other professionals you work with who you deal with on a financial basis. Um, The lenders may have their own form as well. But if you have a power of attorney, you want to make sure the right people know it's there. Um, We've talked in a prior episode about there's a checklist available from my website called the My Personal Planning Essentials Checklist. It's a free download, and it has all of your important people on there. It has your attorney, your accountant, your financial advisor, your insurance agents. All of those people on that checklist should probably have a copy of that financial power of attorney if you have one. Now, one of the questions I get often is my father or mother is getting a little bit older, and we're a little concerned about them. You know, we, we want a financial power of attorney over them because we're worried about it. You know, and I saw an article in the paper a few weeks ago about uh, an elderly woman who bought a car overnight on eBay. And she woke up in the morning to, found that, to find that she bought a car for, I think, $20,000. And she had an email from the person saying, all right, how are we going to deliver this? It wasn't in her state. It was like four or five different states away. And her children were upset. And of course, they took her to the doctor and found out that she had early onset dementia and that things were, um, that she was starting to have problems. And what they did is another option is they went with a trust. 
And so what they did is they moved their parents' money into a trust, having the child manage the money as a trustee. So we're going to talk about trust in another episode, but that's another way you can do this kind of financial management without a power of attorney. But for most people, that's a more advanced and more expensive way to address the problem. Oftentimes, it's simply just a financial power of attorney, especially if you're young and running a business. That's all you'll need to make sure that the right person can make decisions if something happens to you. So beyond the financial side of things, there's also your personal health. Uh, you're young, even if you're not young and you're like me, you're middle aged. we think nothing is ever going to happen to us. Why would I need a healthcare power of attorney? The healthcare power of attorney is like your financial power of attorney, except you're giving somebody the power to make medical decisions. It's going to, just like the financial one has a list of the powers you're going to be granting them. But in this case, it's a little more in-depth than the checklist. Your financial power of attorney is really just a check of the different things. Your uh, healthcare power of attorney really has an in-depth description of the medical procedures or powers you're giving to somebody. Now, while I will tell you to just download a financial power of attorney from your state's website, for the healthcare, it's often called a healthcare directive in your state, and your hospital will often give you one. I usually encourage you not to use that form if you can avoid it, because you can create a healthcare power of attorney with an actual attorney because it can be more comprehensive. So your hospital's healthcare directive, maybe your wife is going in to give birth and they have her sign a quick one on the way in. It's only for that hospital for a certain purpose. It doesn't handle all the other issues that can be in your healthcare power of attorney. So your healthcare power of attorney is going to discuss these health decisions when you're unable to speak for yourself and you want to be as specific as possible which is why I recommend, in this case, using a personalized form versus just something that your doctor gave you. There's going to be a variety of things in your healthcare power of attorney. So the first thing you need to do is identify the agents. These are the people who make the decisions. You can either have one person make all the decisions, or you can have multiple people make decisions at the same time. If you're going to do that, you have to decide, do they all have to agree or does it have to be a majority of people? Or can it be just one person? And what happens if they all disagree? So if you have three children, does it have to be all three? Can it be two? How do we want to do that? Um, you'll want to include their name, their address, and their telephone number. Obviously, this is important because the doctor needs to know who to call, um, especially if you don't have a spouse or you don't have somebody right there with you in the, in the hospital. They need to know what's the phone number, where's this person located, how can we reach them? Your healthcare power of attorney is going to provide your agents with an access to your medical records. Now, I'm still going to recommend a standalone HIPAA authorization, but usually there will be a HIPAA authorization built into your healthcare power of attorney. And this is the part of it that survives after your death. So in a normal healthcare power of attorney, the HIPAA authorization for medical records survives for two years after your death. Uh, from a lawyer's standpoint, we want that because if something happens when you're in the hospital, maybe there's a medical malpractice issue, we want to have access to those records because you're gone. So we don't have immediate access to the records, but the HIPAA authorization, either in your healthcare power of attorney or a separate authorization allows you to get the records and find out what actually happened to your loved one. You're going to have decisions in there regarding hospice or long-term care about whether or not that you want to be kept in your home if you become sick or do you want to be taken to a hospital. One of the ones that we joke about a lot, but is a serious one is whether or not you want to give that person the power to put you in a psychiatric home. Um, we've seen the news, obviously, everything that Britney Spears has gone with, gone through over the years. Um, if you're in California, there's a lot of 5150 provisions where people can be admitted to uh, a psychiatric uh, treatment facility. Do you want to allow your agent that kind of power? 
Um, married couples actually will often take that one out. They joke about it, but in the end, they say, I don't really want him to be able to put me in a psychiatric center against my own wishes. Um, the person can hire healthcare aides for you. If you're living at home and you're unable to move and they need to bring in somebody, the healthcare power of attorney will allow them to do, to do that. And you also want to describe your positions on using medicine for pain relief. Um, this is, you know, unfortunately a hard part of the world where people have been addicted to either opioids or alcohol or other uh, kinds of drugs. They may not be the right candidates to have certain kinds of pain relief authorized. If they've been a formerly an addict, they may not be able to handle morphine. They may be too worried that, you know, morphine would get them essentially back on the wagon. So, if you're in that standpoint, if you're in that situation, you know, you don't have to agree to that. You can actually have a provision that says, listen, I don't want certain kinds of pain relief based on my history. And there's nothing wrong with that. And doctors will respect that because they understand the problems we have with addiction in our society. And this is why it's a very important document if you've ever dealt with those kinds of issues in the past. Your healthcare power of attorney can also deal with whether or not you want an autopsy performed. Uh, depending on your religious beliefs, you may not agree to an autopsy and wouldn't want that uh, performed on your body. And your healthcare power of attorney can talk about what to do with your remains. Do you want them buried? Do you want them cremated? Um, it's usually a provision in your will as well, but maybe you don't have one yet um, and you want to get this document in place. You want to have that in there. You can also reimburse your agent if they have to spend money. So if they have to you know, buy photocopies of your medical records. If they have to spend money on transportation to get you to a hospice care, you want to make sure they're reimbursed. You don't want your agent to be taking all this money out of their pocket and then be, you know, begrudgingly dealing with you because now they've got to foot the bill for you. And you should also know that the importance of the healthcare power of attorney is it usually has provision that says it can be used in any state. So this goes back to your concern about just using a state document or something from your hospital. That may be limited to your state. I'm in Minnesota right now, but I have an office in New York. If I had just a Minnesota power of attorney for healthcare and I went to New York, if that Minnesota one is only limited to Minnesota, the New York doctors aren't going to do anything about it. They're going to say, well, that's an out-of-state power of attorney that's not valid in New York. And now what am I going to do? With a properly drafted power of attorney with an attorney's help, you'll have a provision that says it can be honored in any jurisdiction, even overseas. If you're over in Europe and something happens to you, you catch COVID, you want to make sure that the doctors can treat you and talk to the right people. And then last and probably most importantly with all of these powers of attorney that you should know is that you can revoke them. So just because you appoint your brother as your power of attorney now or your son because you're going through something doesn't mean you can't change it. So you can always change it. You can revoke it. You can also limit them. You can say that this power of attorney only lasts until January 31st of 2024. There can be a variety of reasons why you limit it, especially if you're running a business. You may say, you know what? I know I'm going to go into this hard time, but I'm going to be done with it in a year. I'm selling the business. But for that, in the meantime, I want to make sure I have all my powers of attorney in place and I'll revisit them in 2025 or 2026. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we talk about these these power of attorneys, whether it's healthcare or financial, um, so many people, you know, we, we, we just think we're invisible. You know, we think that that end day is never going to come. And so I think it's important to think about this, that this is not just something that you do once you turn 60, 70, 80 years old that you start to implement these. Uh, this can be something that you can implement at any age and, and, and is highly recommended to, to revisit it as well. And I would also imagine that you don't know when these things are going to happen. So you might get an accident tomorrow and, and and these documents might need to be needed very quickly. So I would imagine that there's probably some kind of uh, suggestion to keep this uh, readily accessible or, or a place that, that 
if you hit, get hit into a situation, you can easily act upon it. Um, and so that somebody's able to then step in and make those decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, we've seen the last couple of years, the, the effect that the pandemic has had. And I remember thinking back to March 2020, I had a line out my door of doctors and nurses saying this is going to be bad. And we want to make sure we have our documents in place, too, because, you know, in case we catch it and we're unable to speak for ourselves, we want to make sure we have the right people there to make those decisions. And you're right. It's very important to have them available. Um, you want to keep these the original with your important documents, but give a copy to your doctors. You know, you know who your doctors are that you work with. Give them a copy of the uh, healthcare power of attorney so they know that if something happens to you, who they should be speaking to. Um, this also is an important part of having the right attorney to work with you and having a client portal. So my clients who work with me have access to all these documents as a PDF version in their client portal. Because sometimes you won't be able to get to the original in time. But the doc, you're there in the doctor's office. You need access to it. If you're working with an attorney who has a client portal, you can at least pull it up on your phone and say, listen, here's a copy of the healthcare power of attorney. It's from my attorney's office. You can see it here. I'll go home and get the original. But for now, we have to make a decision. There's something urgent happening. You don't want to wait for me to drive 45 minutes back to the house, get the document, and then 45 minutes back to the hospital. You can't risk that 90 minutes. So you want to make sure, you know, as Mike was pointing out, that these documents are readily accessible to you. And the other document that I like to go with my healthcare power of attorney is a HIPAA authorization. So it's separate from the healthcare power of attorney, but it's the same principle. And that allows your agent to have access to your medical records. And it survives for up to two years after your death, just in case, as we talked about, you need access to medical records. And then another document that some clients will sign is called a living will, which again is another form. And this really deals with what happens to you if you end up in a vegetative state. Do you want them to pull the plug? Do you want to keep going? What kinds of pain relief do you want to have? Um, and I tell all my clients that it ends up being about 50-50. So about half my clients don't want this and half of my clients do. So what we do is we provide you with the form and you can take a look. And if you want to sign it, that's great. And if you don't want to sign it, that's perfectly fine too. So you've seen these powers of attorney. Uh, you're a business owner. Things are busy. There's going to be five mistakes that you as a business owner are going to make sure you don't make, especially when it comes to a healthcare power of attorney. First one is the mistake you're going to avoid is you're not going to be, you're going to make sure you're, you're, be, you're clear about your wishes and your healthcare power of attorney. Your second is you're going to make sure to talk to your agent about your medical wishes. You want to make sure they know that they're the agent and what you're thinking and what you'd want to have happen. You third, you want to choose the powers you're going to give to them and choose them carefully. You know, again, we joke about the psychiatric treatment, but that's still a very important decision. And if you're committed to a psychiatric treatment facility, the barriers to getting to getting released can be very high. You're not going to hold on to it and not let anybody see it. You're going to make sure to give copies to your medical provider. And then the most important mistake to avoid is you want to make sure that you've signed it correctly. You don't want to have any problems with the signing because if you do, you're not there to fix it. You know, the whole point of this document is you're unavailable to make these decisions. So as a business owner, hopefully you can see the importance of these documents. You have to look at it as you're unable to make these decisions. You can't run your business. You can't you know, talk to the doctor. You want to make sure that the right person is there making decisions for you. Yeah. And as we kind of talked about it in the in the previous episode, we talked about the last will and testament, which is which is kind of what we what we discussed is a, is a no brainer, something that everybody should have put into place for the many reasons that we talked about. And, and this is kind of this 
this is before that even happens and, and something that happens while we're here, while we're, while we're alive. Uh, but if something dramatic would happen, if we get to a state where we do need some of that help for people to make decisions for us, how important this is to combo with a will. And I think you made a great point at the beginning is that a power of attorney traditionally is going to stop at, at the time of death. And so it's important that, you know, we're not just doing power of attorneys. We're also not just doing a will. It, it's a it's a cohesive combination of all that together. And obviously working with a, a trusted professional that, that can really kind of help you know what needs to be done for your specific situation. Now, when we talked about the last will and testament, one thing we said was people think it takes a lot of time and it take, costs a lot of money to put these together. Uh, let's kind of revisit that idea with power of attorneys. You know, I think we talked about, first off, the financial one is something you could grab uh, online, at least for an initial, you know, quick, quick grab of it. But what does this typically look like for a power of attorney for uh, and the healthcare documents as far as a cost, rough range, as well as, you know, time commitment to put into it? Right. Well, and the, you know, the, I feel like the time is the more important than the cost when it comes to this. And you should know the time commitment is, I mean, you could turn this around in 15, 20 minutes because mm-hmm. the power of attorney is simply filling in the right information and then making sure that you're checking the right boxes about what financial powers you want to give to somebody. You know, you work with an attorney, they probably have a notary in their office. They have witnesses there. I mean, you can walk in and walk out with a power of attorney probably in 15 minutes. Healthcare power of attorney is a little more involved, but can be the same thing. So, what happens in my office in July and August is my clients who have children going off to college will often send them in just to get these powers of attorney put into place for while they're at college because they want their parents to be available. They want their parents to be the ones that are called. Now, they're over the so when you're under 18, you're a child and something happens, then the doctor always knows to call your parents. Once you're 18, the doctors don't have to do that anymore. You're an adult. So my July and August is filled with 18-year-olds coming in, getting ready to go to college, and we usually put together these documents in about an hour. Um, the, the cost is kind of harder to figure out because normally this is part of an overall estate plan. So I mm-hmm. wouldn't break out the actual cost as a separate document. But if you needed to do it, it's a very, you know, it would be an inexpensive process. You could even take your, your financial power of attorney and just print it off and take it to a notary H bank. But with the healthcare power of attorney, um, you know, it could be as little as 75 to a hundred dollars, you know, maybe a couple hundred dollars if it takes a little time to get all of your provisions put into place. Um, so the, the cost barrier on this is very low. And, you know, again, with like kids going off to college, it's one of those documents where they say, I don't need a will. I'm 18. I'm a college freshman, but the healthcare power of attorney, the financial power of attorney can be very important so that the college knows who to call if something happens to you. You've had a late night at the bar, you end up in the ER, you want to make sure that the right people are being called. You want to make sure they're calling your parents. Or if you don't want them to call your parents, perfectly fine. You can have your brother be the, the power of attorney that they're calling because you don't want mom and dad to know you ended up at the ER at uh, 2 a.m. on a Saturday night after a long night of, uh, out drinking. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think, you know, it's just, it just goes to say is that Getting these types of things set up doesn't take a ton of time, doesn't take a ton of money, and it just can help protect you. And also, more importantly, too, not more importantly, but as important, your business. Uh, Most people listening to this are business owners. They have a lot of things going on. There's a lot of responsibilities you have, and it's just important to protect not only yourself, but but those around you as well through these uh, documents. So, Andrew, I just want to thank you for another episode. Uh, We're going to be talking next week about uh, what is a revocable living trust and why that might be important for business owners. Again, if you did not listen to the first episode, The Last Will and Testament, and why that's important, we recommend going back 
back and checking that out. And Andrew, we're going to have all these uh, information for Andrew within the show notes if you'd like to connect with him. But Andrew, just kind of give your website here as well in case, in case people want to reach out. Sure. My website is andrewamazonmotherairs.com. And if you want to just set up a chat, if you go to that main site, there's a big red button. It says schedule a consultation. You can be taken right to my personal calendar and uh, we can hop on the phone for 15, 20 minutes and you know, kind of go through your questions and make sure we get you to the right place. Excellent. So hopefully this was super helpful um, and, and take time and take action now while you're listening to this, make this the the next week at the time where you're just going to knock this stuff out, get it on paper and you don't have to worry about it. It's not hanging over your head. And again, it's not just about uh, be, those that are older in age where this makes sense for. We never know when that time's going to come. And so just take the take the little bit of time and a little bit of money that it takes to get set up uh, to do it right and, and, and do that now. So thanks again for another episode. We will see you guys next week when we talk about the revocable living trust. <laughs>